C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And we are joined by... Yes, it is a very exciting day. We're back from the holidays. We took a little two-week hiatus, and -hmm. then we had a little special, like, bonus crossover episode thing, but we're back with a very esteemed guest, Jillian (laughs) Richardson. Most esteemed. Uh, Jillian, can you just introduce yourself? Um, Say you know, your name and where you're from and what you do. Just give us your elevator pitch and familiarize our listeners with your voice. You got it. So I'm Jillian Richardson. I am the founder of The Joy List, which is a newsletter and event series where you can find events that you go to by yourself and leave with a new friend. Uh, And I live in New York City. I'm a lady in my 20s. And I'm also the author of an upcoming book called Unlonely Planet. Very exciting. Ooh, mm-hmm. That's very exciting. Oh, my gosh. So Do you know when things. it comes out? Fingers crossed if I get my stuff together. Uh, March of this year. Great. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yay. And will we be able to get a physical copy of that? Or is it an ebook? Or how It'll be is a it physical thing that you can order <gasps> on Amazon, like the whole proper book it's all thing. Going. Love it. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yay. We'll definitely be doing a Camp Adulthood book club about that. Very yes. exciting. Yes. Um, that Love is it. awesome. So to go into the, the segments, uh, Shay, do you have a delightful millennial moment for us? <sighs> yes. <laughs> um, Shay has had <laughs> a day. exasperated. I am exasperated. So first of all, I will just update um, all of our listeners who, well, I mean, I guess by the time they listen to this, this will be many weeks in the past. Uh, But Benson the dog survived eating two earrings, even though she had to throw up and throw up and throw up at the vet. Um, And I learned a fun fact that to make induced vomiting in a dog, they put a special type of eye drop in their right eye which makes them nauseous and then throw up. What? So weird. I An know. Eye drop. Yeah, I know. And Bizarre. then they like flush it out and they feel better. And I was like, that is insane. So that was very stressful. But before I had to take Benson, the dog, to the emergency veterinarian, uh, who, by the way, looked about 12 years old. And I was <laughs> like, does this mean I'm getting old? I think it does. Um, <laughs> is that I was very excited because it was my first day back at work after all of the fun of the holidays and I was getting a lot done. Um, and you know, one of my goals for this year in my business is to really beef up my social media because as I've talked about on here and on those feeds, it was just something that I wasn't, that wasn't really resonating with me last year, but clearly I work in, uh, the professional and personal development field and if you're not on the Instagram and really creating a lot of content you're not going to get clients that's a pretty basic fact um, that you have to be putting yourself out there so I just really went down a really dark and deep Instagram black hole today and I was like (laughs) 
texting Maddie like, I don't know how the internet works. And uh, she was very helpful because she is always and forever my personal uh, office plankton and um, technology assistant. Uh, So I figured it out. um, But it was very exciting because like I did a story and I added things to it and it was very great. And I documented the dog's trip to the emergency room. And then I created a second Instagram account what it's so crazy what is it um, for, is it for your dog it is well it's for my <laughs> dog and for all the books that i read it primarily it was originally going to be um so back to what i was saying before is i was like 2018 was really hard for me in terms of social media and i felt like a lot of what i was posting um felt really frivolous in kind of the greater scheme of the trash fire that was the world in 2018 <laughs> um And then, of course, there was a lot of pressure on that account to perform for me and to bring in clients and to bring in revenue. And I just was like, I'm done. So I was like, I have to engage with this account and with my professional content. But I want to create this account where it's just like the two things I love more than anything else in the world. And that is my dog and reading books. And I'm just going to put it out there. And if two people follow me, great. If 2,000 people follow me, great. I don't really care one way or the other. Uh, but if you want to come check it out, uh, the handle is at books underscore and underscore Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N. Ooh, nice name. And yeah, thank you. She is named after Detective Olivia <laughs> Benson of SVU. Um, but yeah, come check it out and there'll be lots of pictures of Benson being adorable and many book reviews. And I officially now run two Instagram accounts and contribute occasionally, very occasionally (laughs) to the camp adulthood account. So I feel like I'm not failing at being a millennial. So that's my day. You have three Instagrams. Three Um, Instagrams. What do you know? Yeah. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. How about you, Maddie? Um, my millennial moment contributes um it also has it i feel like it's very hit the nail on the head with the millennial theme so on new year's eve i had a friend visiting from atlanta and we met up with some other friends from new york and um cory was there and everything and we went to a comedy show and then we were going to go to a bar um afterwards and so we went to the west side comedy club would recommend the food there is good the drinks there are good um i've never seen like a bad show there um and it was just like there was this guy who was hosting and then there were like four other comedians that did like 10 to 20 minute sets so it was a good show but I don't know if you guys are like see a lot of stand-up but with shows like that like oftentimes the hosts they'll because they're kind of coming in and they'll do like a joke to Mm -hmm. introduce the new comic and they usually have like a through line for each of them so they'll be like okay where I left off the last time I left the stage and they'll kind of Mm -hmm. do that So this guy who was the host, like, his through line was talking about millennials and kind of, like, making... Like, he made other jokes, but that was, like, one of the main things was, like, young people today, blah, blah, blah. God. And a couple of the other comedians... I mean, I'm making it sound very hacky. Like, the jokes were funny. But um, some of the other comedians were also just in their sets as well talking about millennials, and a lot of it was, like, the typical stuff in the vein of, like, millennials are killing such and such industry like everyone's addicted to their phones and technology like you know the things that we always read on buzzfeed like Mm -hmm. every day um but at the end of the show i had also had a couple drinks at this point um (laughs) and i will say i am very anti-heckling just as a thing i do think (laughs) i could write a 
thesis paper on this because I'm like, on one hand, stand-up comedians, one of their big shticks is that they, like, talk to the audience and it's very interactive and they'll be like, where are you from? What do you do? But there, there's a sense, like, you're not, like, the audience can't give back. It's not an equal conversation, mm-hmm. you know, but the oftentimes performers will use the audience as a crutch if they're bombing. They'll be like, okay, my jokes are not doing well, like, let's talk about you, but you're not allowed to, like, have any sort of comment on what they're saying. So on that hand, on that side, I'm like, eh, it's not really great. But on the other hand, I'm like, you shouldn't, someone has written jokes and they're performing for you, you shouldn't just, like, yell shit out. But anyways, this guy was like, he was talking about college kids which there are no college-age millennials. Like, it's done. Mm-hmm. Like Officially, no, officially. officially well, done. Well, if we're saying 1998, they're turning 21 this year. The so youngest the, of the, the Pew research says 1996. I mean, it is cuspy, but it's still, like... Okay. I feel like when people say college-age, they're not talking about, like, the 22-year-olds. They're talking about, like, the 18-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and so I was just, like, exasperated at this point, and I was just like, there are no college-age millennials, and I heckled this comedian, and he, like, kind of half-heard me. I did. You I did heckle. Heckler. I was the heckler, because I was like, I need, I needed people to know, because it annoys me so much, mm-hmm. and he had literally said it, like, it. four times, and I was like, maybe he just doesn't know. Maybe he just needs someone to point it out. Um, Educate him. And people were kind of laughing. I didn't, like, say it loudly. I kind of said it loud enough so that, like, the people around me could hear it really clearly, and I think the comedian just heard, like, someone was kind of yelling, and it was clearly, <laughs> like, about the millennial thing. So, anyways, I felt bad about ruining his, like, yeah. flow and heckling because I do think it's very disrespectful, but in that instance, I was like, he needs to know. So, anyways. It's bringing truth into the world. Yeah. My friend that I was with said it was chaotic good. Oh, Amen. So I, like I agree. That. With that, yeah. Um, Jillian, do you have a millennial moment from your life? Mm. Well, I think a, a thing that I've been thinking about recently is how to make more money off of the knowledge that I have around community building, uh, and I've just oh, been girl. like meeting with friends to brainstorm, and it's been the yeah. most fun. Like just asking people for help and them showing up so beautifully, uh, and I was talking to a friend who works with a bunch of Jewish nonprofits and he was like do you know that in literally any religious organization like 10 times in any meeting they'll say how do we get young people here like how do we get young people mm-hmm. to show up at our services and our events like we're we're creating these events for young people and they're not showing up what do we do and i was like oh right like that's a thing that i've been hanging out with a lot more religious people recently like people who are rabbis and priests and just like of all faiths, especially because I've been interviewing them for my book, and it's just been great. I was like, oh, I have this knowledge of the kinds of things that young people like, because I am a young person, and I produce events (laughs) constantly. Like, it's all these things that I think are so obvious that to someone who's older than me, or aren't maybe constantly in this, like, mindful event scene in New York City, they Mm -hmm. just don't understand. Uh, And he was like, oh, if you wanted to do a workshop for religious leaders around, like, events that young Mm -hmm. people like. Like, they would show up. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. And just being like, oh, me as a millennial, my knowledge can be valuable in this way. Yep. That was cool. That is very cool. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Also, I'm going to give you a book recommendation. Um, The $100 Startup has Mm. a lot of really great ideas for passive income, particularly. So check it out. 
It's one of my favorite books of all time. Deal. I love ordering yes. books. It's like my guilty pleasure. I'm oh, just like, God. Ah, I love, I just, just knowledge, just knowledge arriving at my door. Yeah, I love it's it. It's amazing. I love it. It's great. I love it. Um, Shay, transitioning over to our campfire yes. topics. Do you have a toasty campfire topic for the group? Well, at first I didn't, and I was a little frustrated because I was like, why is today been such a trash fire that I don't have this one thing, especially after one of my New Year's resolutions was to be even more committed to this podcast. Um, but I found one and it, I was going through my photos and I found a screenshot of a text message that um, my cousin, who is a former guest of the pod and a Gen Xer, sent me a few weeks ago. And I think I sent it to you, Maddie, although I can't remember. Uh, and she was like, hey, did you know millennials are ruining uh, <laughs> the tuna industry because they're oh, too yes. lazy to own can openers? Um, <laughs> and I was like, well, I both love tuna and own several can openers. <laughs> so clearly the uh, Wall Street Journal is incorrect. And then we laughed and made some comment about fake news. Um, but it actually inspired me to look up the actual article. Um, and I will we will post these for our listeners on the website. But um, it was really interesting because, you know, you expect a little better from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> and it was really just like, you know, talking about how, you know, they don't have can openers and it's not convenience and canned tuna isn't cutting it. And um, it just wasn't it didn't really talk about like the real reasons why people maybe aren't buying canned tuna. And then the Washington post did not really like a satire on it, but basically her, this, um, the journalist whose name was Mara Judkiss comes back and she's like, yeah, she's like, we're not killing it because we don't have can openers. We're killing it because it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, so it was just kind of a really funny comeback. Um, and then there's some great uh, screenshots from Twitter and other things, um, you know, et cetera. So it just really was really funny. I enjoyed, you know, this piece, this one uh, tweet. Somebody said, ah, oh, yes, millennials are abandoning canned tuna because we're lazy and not because uh, it's gross as hell. And yes. then there's one that say millennials own one bowl, one, one spoon, and they use these only for eating grain bowls not cereal so oh, i guess yes. we're also killing cereal i love uh, the they grain despise bowls. and fear cereal the same way vampires fear sunlight mm -hmm. um oh and this i enjoyed this was by the same guy uh at tom gara there's only one way to get millennials eating tuna again it needs to be in a bright white unmarked can with a single blue stripe running across the middle sold only via online subscription for five dollars a month at thisistuna.com which is heavily advertised on podcasts yeah, um, that sounds cool. Which, yeah, it's cool. I'd buy it. Uh, but then it goes on to just talk about how, you know, it was just kind of poor journalism in the Wall Street Journal. And I thought it was interesting. Um, but also, I think this is something that we face as millennials a lot, right? We get accused of ruining a thing. You know, I don't think baby boomers were accused of, you know, ruining I don't know. God knows what. Um, just social security. Day, just because things change. Mm. What? Social, they did ruin social security. But I'm talking about back when they were young, people weren't like, um, oh, you killed fish dinners on Fridays. Yeah. Well, it might also be hard for us to know. Like, I, I'm sure you're correct, but it might also be hard for us to know because we weren't, like, reading the newspapers. That That's one of my favorite things that, like, 
newspapers do, like the Washington Post does it, the New York Times does it, well, they'll be like, um, they'll publish like an article from like this day in 1945. One of my faves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like the same shit they talk about now. Like it's not that different. And so that always like fascinates me. But yeah, I think the millennial thing, I've seen it a lot more now. I think people are a little bit more like hip to where they're like, oh, if you just remove the word millennial from this headline and just say like young person, it sounds mm-hmm. really stupid. And especially mm-hmm. now that people are starting to realize that millennials have aged out of being quote unquote young people. Um, it just makes, I think people are more like privy to the the journalism. I will say, I think I texted this back to you, Shay, when you mm-hmm. were talking to me about this. Um, for a while, I actually didn't have a can opener mm-hmm. um, because mine yeah. rusted out. I put it in the dishwasher and it rusted. And mm-hmm. then I was just like, okay. I don't really need it because I realized that I also enjoy canned tuna, but I buy the ones with like the peel top. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm like, who is buying stuff without the peel top? It exists. Well, I think another I interesting know. thing that this article was, the Washington Post article was talking about that you know, in general, you know, millennials are choosing to spend their money on fresh food and organic food. And this is kind of, you know, not wherever you fall on the economic spectrum, but certainly a larger portion of the economic spectrum is making the choice to, you know, eat food that is fresh. And um, I was thinking about that because like today I had like a salmon salad sandwich, but I didn't go for the canned salmon. I had actual like leftover salmon that I used to make the salmon salad. But of course, I feel like four or five years ago when I was still living in New York, I would have, I always ate canned tuna. I was like poor and like 27. Of course I was eating canned tuna. That's like normal, right? Yeah, that's normal. You're normal. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. Um, But anyway, I just felt like it was, you know, one of those things. So how about you, Maddie? um, So mine, I'm not going to like go into it too in depth. It's more of just like, a recommendation hold please um but it was kind of it's kind of like a deeper article so you know if you're like sipping your coffee or tea on a sunday it's like a nice little little long read um it's from buzzfeed and um it's called is a successful creative life without kids enough and this Mm. woman wrote it and she's why are we still talking about this is my question as like a society well yeah i mean obviously like the answer is yes, <laughs> but like, no, jump off a cliff. Yeah. Like yeah. what? Um, but it was just, I thought it was really interesting. It's kind of like an overdone topic, but I thought the writer of this piece had done it in a really interesting way. Like talking about kind of like she interviewed people too. It wasn't just about like her opinion on like, I'm in my thirties and like deciding if I want to have kids. Like she interviewed like some older creative, it was specifically about like artists and creative people like mm-hmm. throughout their life who, um, you know, choose to have kids or not, and, like, looking at it through that lens and, like, at different points in their lives and stuff like that. I just thought it was very interesting. Um, And talking about, like, you know, aging parents and things like that and, like, what what would it mean for you if you're, like, an aging person and you have this, like, community of creative people but they're not necessarily family, like, Mm -hmm. kind of everyone likes to think that, like, friends are the family that you create for yourself, but, like, when it comes down to it, like do you have someone who would like move into your house and take care with you full time? Like if you have a friend like that, great. If not, like, you know, kind of thinking about these things that are really tough to think about and are like kind of a bummer. Um, but I just thought the article was really nice. So I would recommend it. Love it. That's, That's a fun. great perspective you, on chosen family being like 
all right, this is chosen family, but if I got yeah. deathly sick, who's going to take care of me? Right. Like, like that puts it into perspective. had a friend who just, um, we've talked about it a little bit on the pod, but she, like, broke her hip. Mm-hmm. And, like, her mom came up from Virginia and, like, stayed in her apartment for, like, two weeks and, like, took care of her. Because mm-hmm. it's like, who are you going to add? Like, you don't have any other, like, I, I can't think of, I, I mean, obviously I live with my boyfriend, so, like, he would take care of me, but, like, if you don't live with someone, if you live alone, or you live with roommates that aren't your friends, like, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be your, your parents or another close family member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Unless it was when Shay and I used to live together, in which case Shay well, would take care of me. Well, clearly I would take care of you. Yes. Well, and I think, I think but we were definitely friends, something... And we lived together. But well, we were friends, yeah. Um, but you know that we'll get into, I think, Jillian, when we're talking about the Joylist and, and your really incredible mission... Um, is to kind of create these communities where if you do break your leg, you know, A, you're not necessarily relying on one person to come and take the, you know, the bulk of that work, but that Mm -hmm. you have a community where like, you know, Fred's going to come over on Monday and Susie's coming over on Tuesday and George is coming over on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. But then you have to have a friend that coordinates all that you have to have like the best friend. <laughs> and then That's there's true. the best friend. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you don't have a best friend, then it's I, the just, tier I of can't friends. help you. Mm-hmm. You just have no children and no best friends. What, you know? No, what it's true. So, and there's a lot also. of people like that. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any campfire topics? Or oh my gosh, I was thinking about this on the way over here. Have you seen the documentary on Netflix called American mm-hmm. Meme? No, oh, I yeah, was wondering amazing. about it though. It's so good. It is some darkness. You have to watch like, it. It's funny. I, it's funny well, and dark. Oh god. I just <laughs> so there's this concept that I talk about in my book called junk values. Um mm-hmm. this guy Johan Hari talks about it in his book called Lost Connections and he's essentially saying like we're told that certain things will make us happy and they won't. And so these values that we hold are, like, junk values, like junk food, where we're thinking yeah. if we continue to, like, eat this diet of social media and getting followers and online fame, that we'll be happy and we won't. And I feel like mm-hmm. this documentary, it yeah, just it follows three people who, who become oh, wow. very famous online mm-hmm. and talk about how deeply sad they are. And wow. it's... So honest, whoever the the filmmaker is, yeah. I give them such props because like they interviewed like Paris Hilton, and yeah. she's yeah. saying I was gonna say, that documentary gave me out of all the things it gave me a newfound appreciation for Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. Like I learned a lot about her yeah. life that I didn't know, and I feel like she did something that the other three. So it follows for our listeners and for Shay, it follows mm-hmm. um, the fat Jewish mm-hmm. who is like still very oh. popular. On Instagram, Brittany Ferlin, who was one of, like, the... Like a Vine A Vine star. And now she's late, dating Tommy Lee, which, like, is scary. Um, yeah. And then this other guy who, like, he's he does, like, club pr- promotion stuff, and his name is the Slut Whisperer, right? That's, yep. Yeah. It's, That's nice. So it's, There's like... There's a lot of footage of him with yeah. his parents, which is hilarious. I know, that is pretty oh. good. And they're, like, Russian immigrants. It's so funny. Um... But it, it follows, like, the three and of them. And DJ Colin. Oh, yeah. He's he's in there. But Interesting. Th- I think the different... But then it follows Paris Hilton, and everyone kind of agrees, like, she kind of... Like, they point out that Kim Kardashian was her intern. Mm-hmm. Like, Paris Hilton was, like, the pioneer in all of this. But the thing... Like, she has actual, like, 
products and stuff that she is like selling to people and she's also way more famous overseas than she is in America at mm-hmm. this point. So I think she kind of got into the social media thing when it was still like at this sort of like tepid point. But then mm-hmm. now she's like pivoted to just being like, I just have these products that I develop and it's not really so much a tat like she talked about her like little Hilton followers and she, you know, it's still a big part of who she is, but I think the other three like hadn't made that like jump mm-hmm. in a way. Which I thought was interesting. I had more respect for her. And also how she was like taken advantage of by photographers when she was younger too. Yeah. Which oh, is very totally. scary. And well, she has a dog mansion a tiny mansion for her tiny dogs. Sorry. Oh Yes. I mean that's very millennial yes. to have a tiny dog mansion for your well, tiny what, dogs. What if just the my kudos to the filmmaker was that he got Paris Hilton to say to the camera, yeah. like, I am so, so lonely and yeah. I am so sad. Like, not saying, sad. like, I used to be. Her saying, like, me in this moment right now as this very famous woman yeah. am very sad and my followers are my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and like, Whoa. I also read yeah. her, her uh, she was engaged and now they have since broken up. Like, mm-hmm. she was engaged for a period of time and now she, like, really is alone. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow, yeah. this is some darkness. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And like the whole Vine thing, because Vine doesn't exist like as a <laughs> yeah. medium anymore. So all the people yeah. that were famous on that, like, you kind of see it with the Britney Ferlin storyline mm-hmm. where like she was one of the top YouTubers and then she kind of like was still doing very well, but like not at the top. And then Vine just like ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. She had to start all and over And she had again. to start all over. She started going on like auditions or like making YouTube videos and stuff, but like wow. it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Like, she yeah. had honed her craft to, like, that one medium, and then it went away. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think that's why, like, you know, in this day and age, creatives of any kind, if it, which sucks because they don't necessarily have the time to get really deep with one medium. They have to have, I don't know, a breadth as well as a depth, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or just, like, realize that it's, like corny as hell to be a vine star like i don't know that's the whole thing that i was like when i was i mean that too well when i was watching it i was like everyone realized like if or the slut whisperer guy like his whole job literally he goes to he goes to bars and he just like he'll just like pour champagne on girls and he's just like Mm -hmm. a party sort of like promoter here i'm like analyze what he did was actually fascinating though because he's like I understand that people perceive what I'm doing as disgusting and degrading, but I'm just giving people the opportunity to embrace the yeah. darkness that I'm they just really have. people what they want. Yeah. Oh I was like, God. whoa. But I'm like, who, okay. Who in their yeah. right mind like thinks that they're going to be able to do that forever? That's where like my pity for these people stopped. Oh I'm yeah. Like, Did you really think you were going to be like? It was clear there was no thought out like backup plan. Totally. Well, the, and he's getting problem. to the point where he's like, there's he a moment where stop. he's vomiting blood into this <gasps> where he's like partying so hard and treating his body yeah. so badly that he's like yeah my body's just failing but he's like, like what do you do bud he's, he's like, like in his 30s maybe? yeah like early 30s i don't know i was just like why did you think that this was going to be like a lifelong career oh i don't know God. that's why i'm like yeah at some point like the social darwinism like the cards fall and people like <laughs> paris hilton even though she is the psychology of it is very sad like she is deeply yeah. unhappy but at least she's able to, like, support herself and doesn't mm-hmm. have to, like, resort to doing desperate things like some of these other people. Very interesting. Yeah. Wow. A great, a great yeah, campfire yeah, yeah. topic. <laughs> you absolutely have it. to watch it, Shay. Excellent. Okay, I good. will I will bring that to the table. So. Yes. Yes. Um, 
All right. Well, shall we transition to the interview? Sure. Some hard-hitting journalism. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, the first thing I want to start with before we get into the joy list and what you're actually doing with your life, Mm -hmm. the first thing I noticed, so we got connected through um, Lily from Mm -hmm. Date Brazen, lovely former guest of the pod, and she had sent us, like, a link to your website and and this stuff. And on your website, it says that you attended an adult summer camp. I did. We have talked about adult summer camps, and obviously the name of the pod, it's, like, kind of tangentially related mm-hmm. in, like, a, I don't know, like, a meta sense. How was that experience? How yeah. would you recommend it to people? Tell us the highlights. So the the camp that I went to was called Camp Grounded. Um, it was one of the most formative experiences of my life. It where, really where was. Where is it? Set the scene for us. Is it? Um, it was when I had moved to New York City. I just got, I think it was from like Time Out New York or something, like one of those emails. And they were like, want to go to this summer camp for adults? And it was at a point where I was, I really had like no friends in New York City except for one person and just kind of clicked on it and was like, what is this? And clicked on the website and it was all these pictures of adults just like laughing and hugging and playing. And I just had this thought of like, these people look happier than I have been in a very long time. Aww. I was like, I want I want to do this. Yeah. And it was in upstate New York. Oh my God, so fun. It was perfect. And so it was the most money I'd spent on anything other than rent in my life at that point. But I was just like, something is telling me I should do this. Mm-hmm. And I did it. Um, and also in case for anyone who's listening, who's like getting very excited and going to the Camp Grounded website... <laughs> Um, right now, the the camp is on a pause because Levi, the man who founded it, uh, passed away. Oh, so sad. And so the family like kind of took some time because it's a camp that's run by a family. So the family took some time to mourn and regroup, and they're in talks of starting up again. Uh, but the community hasn't yeah. really figured it out yet. So yeah. it's on pause, but there's plenty of summer camps for adults. Um, camp Grounded is the one that is the closest yeah. to my heart. Yeah. Uh, how many days yeah. was it? It, it? It's so funny. It was really only four days. But That's still a the long experience, time to be with a bunch of strangers. Yeah, and they they do such a good job of creating an alternate reality. Like, so... Like, to make you shut... Be like, forget about your life back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no phones. Like, it's that kind like, of stuff. It's this container to be your childhood self, essentially. So, like, you get on the bus, you turn off your phone you use a nickname for the whole weekend. So kind of like oh, an really? Burning Man, how like you have your, yeah. your playa name, like you have your camp name. What so was your camp name? My camp name was Lady. Oh, I love it. Lady, Which was like I literally, it. It, it was so funny because some people had these like really deep meanings behind their camp name. Yeah. And I was like, I think it's funny when someone says, hey, Lady. <laughs> like, that's literally the only reason why I chose that name. Oh, I was um, thinking something kind of like majestic, mm-hmm. like, you know, Lady of the Court or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, no. You know, I was just hey like, lady. nope, just hey, lady. Yeah. I just thought that was, yeah. that amused me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the the different names. So already you're kind of like removed from your sense of who you are. Um, there's no talk about work and there's no talk about age. Oh, So kind of the like the go-tos mm-hmm. that everyone yeah. does in conversation, like, what do you do? Was gone. So there's no way to kind of like mentally file someone as above mm-hmm. or below you in terms right. of status, which is what we just naturally do. Um, 
And with age, we do that too, I think. So what, even though you didn't maybe know people's ages, was it mostly like young 20-somethings or did it kind of range? It ranged. People went with their parents. Oh, that's fun. Like there were, I think there was one grand, there was one set of grandparents there, I believe. Um, So it was probably like 20s to 60s. I love that. And yeah, that's so interesting because that's something that I've always found to be, um, a strictly like American concept is our obsession with age and how like if mm-hmm. you're 22 you can't hang out with someone who's 42 because that's weird yeah um, and I found when I've lived abroad and and traveled abroad people are just like this is my friend and he's 60 and that's cool you yeah know, it's just like they don't think about it in the same way that uh, we do here mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's a big issue with America is mm-hmm. our lack of intergenerational spaces mm-hmm. and our lack of ability to pass wisdom on. That's what I like so much about, like, I know it's not for everyone, but Shay and I are in the same sorority, and mm-hmm. that's something where, like, like we've both attended, like, different conferences and things, yeah. and, like, you have women all the way from, like, still in college to, like, in their 80s and 90s. You've got elders. Yeah. And yeah. it's so fun. Like, I love that yeah. aspect it's of it. It's super important. It's very special. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of, was it very structured where they were like, we all wake up at this time and we do mm-hmm. this activity? Or was it kind of like you you did what you wanted? Like what kind of activities were there? Yeah. Well, that's another thing is there was no time at Camp Grounded. They mm-hmm. took away all the clocks. And the only time, the, the only way you knew that's stuff so was happening was like they woke you up with like a song. And then there's yeah. kind of like a bugle in between stuff. But there's no way they to really that. know what time anything is at. The only oh, experience wow. that I've had that's been similar to this was in high school. I hiked the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. My high school had this program. I went on, like, a couple of their um, trips that they offered. But it was through this, like, experiential learning center. And they would bring a bunch of high school kids. And, like, we would all do something. Mm-hmm. And, like, in the Grand Canyon, it would be like, we would hike during the day. Like, do little day hikes. And then at night, they would be like here's the writing prompt and like you all have to write about it and then like share your like stuff like that mm-hmm. you know like very crunchy whatever but Love they it. also so into it they um took away i mean this was obviously like years ago but they took away everyone's phones who had a phone i didn't have a phone at the time mm-hmm. um but they took away your phones you weren't allowed to have a watch and they were like there was no even like schedule so they were like mm-hmm. they would tell us at the end of the night like this is what you're doing the next day and this is like what you have to accomplish so, like we're going on a hike that takes three hours but like you guys can start it whenever you want so if you don't get your shit together I mean it's part of it was like get your ass out of the bed because if you don't start it till noon like there's not gonna be enough time and then you mm-hmm. have ruined it for everyone but part of it was just like if we want like one day for breakfast we were like we want to do a massage train before the hike and they were like cool fine whatever like it was very like unstructured like that mm-hmm. um and the only time we knew what time it was is, like, they had an alarm because one of the girls was on birth control, so she had to take it at the same time. Oh, so we no. always knew it was 6 o'clock when the alarm oh, went God, off. That the one girl really anxiety-inducing. Yeah. Being like, let's yeah. all remember that I know. this one girl is on birth control. I know, and but nobody it's like, else was on birth like control? 16. No. Yeah. Well, there was only, I mean, yeah, we were, like, in high school. Oh, okay, that's fair. And there was probably only, like, 10 of us, and it was, like, mixed gender, <laughs> so. Um, oh, but, yeah, it was really no. funny. But anyways, continue with the what sort of activities uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. structure and stuff. Um, so it was, so because of the no time thing, it was, they were big into like, do whatever you want, like leave a workshop halfway through if you're not feeling Mm -hmm. it, show up at something late, like this is your time to just do what you want, um, just to be. And the, the workshops went from like really traditional camp stuff, like archery and canoeing and like dance lessons to more kind of hippie stuff. Like there's this man, Fog, who... 
I, it's so funny because I have all these people who I call like by their yeah. silly names and some of them I still don't know what their actual name is. Oh, wow. Um, like we, and if we get together, we all call each other by our camp names. So you still meet up with these we people? We still meet up. We still call each other by our That's camp awesome. names. Um, but so Fog, he is just super knowledgeable about tea and just does this like elaborate tea ceremony and teaches you oh, all wow. about tea. And then he does this lecture on like the impermanence of time. And then we do like a sound bath together. So it went to like wow. that level of hippie and it had like acro yoga and improv, wow. all the good things. And people are just like, at the end of the first day, it was the most playful I'd ever seen a group of adults. I was like, I've mm -hmm. never seen a group of people who are in this age range acting this silly. I was like, man, it's so sad that we all have this in us and we're desperate to let it out and we need to be in this safe of a space to actually do it. Yeah. So yeah. was there other, like, was there alcohol, like other, like, adult mm. type things or no? It was a sober camp as well. Oh, I like that. I loved Like, I by loved design, that. when you say sober, just like, we're not going to do alcohol or like four people in recovery. That It was funny because actually, yeah, it's just sober, just like, we're not yeah. drinking here. Mm -hmm. And I had some people who I feel like it's just so hard for us to imagine like a like a pure experience for adults because like for Camp Grounded when I was like oh it's a sober camp for adults people would think they a it was rehab. for people who needed rehab mm -hmm. or b yeah. it was like a sex camp oh, oh no because oh, no. they hear like oh adult camp like yeah. it's like yeah. a, a swingers well, we thing had or something someone on the pod yeah. um when Claire was on, she mm. was part of the first WeWork, mm -hmm. and she went to the WeWork summer camp, which they still do. Now it's, yeah, like, a big it's thing. Yeah, it's a huge production. Yeah, it's a huge production, but it used to be just, like, at a camp. She went to the first one ever, and she was, like, it was so fun, like, similar things to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. But then the second year, it was very, like, people were, like, hooking up, and it became mm -hmm. this, like, sexually, like, weird thing. And she was, like, this is not professional for, like, a workplace. Yeah. So it definitely adds a different dynamic to mm -hmm. it. So to me, it was just so funny that people assume that. Yeah. And with, with my mm -hmm. event series, people, people do the judging. exact same thing where I'm like, wow. oh, it's an event where you can come by yourself and leave with the new friend. And the amount of people who were like, oh, like leave with the new friend, like wink. Like, like a sexy friend. I'm like, no, like, like an as adults, friend. we need friends. Like what's wrong with yeah. you? <laughs> That's so, so like, we're so conditioned to think that way. Yeah. So on that note, unless Maddie has any other pressing questions about camp, I want to hear you talk about the joy list and your events and what you're doing, because I think it is super exciting and, and really yeah. important work. Yeah. Do you, do you have any other questions? No, I was just yeah, as like, I, a, I, I don't want to no, no, no. Maddie's. No, just interest. just well, I am very interested about the camp, but to kind of go off that question with Shay, like, how mm -hmm. did you start it? Like, what was the impetus for the list and what has it evolved to now? Yeah. So the, I like the word impetus, the impetus uh, of the joy list was that I moved to New York City, knew really like one person, and I had this experience of, it was my first night in New York City, my one friend was like, oh, we're going to go out, it's going to be your first night in New York City, and I'm so excited, and like I shower, and I change, and I put on my makeup, and I change my clothes again, and I'm texting him, and he's not responding. <laughs> Oh no. And like I change again and I like eat a snack and I text him and he just isn't getting back to me. And I had this sinking feeling of like this person or like my fun experience is dependent on this person. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have them, then there's just suddenly this deep yeah. feeling of loneliness and You're all dressed up with nowhere to go. Yeah. Literally like yeah. all dressed up with nowhere to go. Yeah. And 
it felt so awful and I felt, I just felt so deflated that at the time I didn't really realize it, but I feel like I internally vowed to myself, like, this will never happen again. Mm -hmm. And I just dove into doing all the things. Like, Mm -hmm. for my book, I made a list of all the stuff that I did in one week in New York City. And it was crazy. I was like, joined a gym, went to the gym like four times, downloaded Tinder, went on dates, like went to yoga classes, went to the museum, joined improv classes, went to improv classes, like got a job, started reviewing off-Broadway plays, all this stuff. And for months I was doing that, just going mm-hmm. to things by myself. And I realized that like I'm a really outgoing person. It's easy for me to go to things by myself and it's easy yeah. for me to talk to strangers. And that in itself is rare. But even Mm -hmm. with all of those things being true, I still felt so lonely. And it, I had this sense of shame around it because I was like, I'm meeting all of these people. Mm -hmm. Like I'm having all of these connections, yet I don't feel like anyone really cares for me. Like if Mm -hmm. I don't show up at something, people won't miss me. Or like we were saying before, like Mm -hmm. if I was sick, I don't have anyone who I would feel comfortable asking to take care of me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was only when I went to things like Camp Grounded where the, the container was created to actually kind of drop my walls and really be honest with people and be vulnerable Mm -hmm. when I kind of had this epiphany of the, like events can be an alternate reality and they can create the container for us to connect. And I, yeah. then I became kind of obsessed with finding these spaces. Like, where in New York can I go where I can really be myself and really connect with people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked what you said on your website that you were good at meeting people, but you were bad at prioritizing connection. Because mm-hmm. I thought that is just so interesting. And it's something, you know, we've talked about again and again on this podcast where millennials in particular, in particular say... it's so hard to find friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's across the board, you know, whether they're living in a dynamic metropolis like New York City, or they're out, you know, in the suburbs or someplace rural, it's really this kind of epidemic problem. Um, So I love that you recognize that. And then you found your solution. So um, the joy list, you said is a curated list that Mm -hmm. people sign up for Mm -hmm. via their via your website. Yes. And then you also host your own events. I mm-hmm. like tell us about those. Yeah, so the event fittingly is called the Joyless Social. Uh Love it. do it once a month, same mission as the newsletter, come by yourself, leave with a new friend. So the events have a couple of rules. Uh mm-hmm. one is that no one can go in by themselves. So I have a group of volunteers who are there to greet people. Mm-hmm. And if you show up by yourself or you show up with a friend, it's their job to talk to you and only have people go in in groups of four or more so mm-hmm. that kind of there's already this like, oh, we have a group. Like we came mm-hmm. in with people who we didn't know before and you go in and there is some sort of greeting experience. So you're you're met with some sort of entrance ritual. So, yeah. for example, like the very first one, my friend Devin, who is a wizard, mm-hmm. greeted people. Love it. So they had this Perfect. experience of opening a door as a group and being greeted by like a 30-year-old wizard. <laughs> um, and he may, he just improvised kind of like a, a spell with the group and then gave mm-hmm. them a task as they went into the room. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, find someone who has a lipstick and ask if you can give them a tattoo with it. Um And I do all of these things Mm -hmm. just to give people little things to connect with each other as a group and then have a way to interact with someone new in the room. 
because we really need those touch points. Like just walking mm -hmm. into a room alone is the scariest feeling for anyone. And we don't have the mm -hmm. tools to just go up to someone and start a, a memorable interaction. Mm -hmm. So you're facilitating that memorable interaction. Yes. And the, the event itself is very simple where it's just like, I also, my events are sober, which I do not advertise yeah. on purpose because I don't mm -hmm. think I should have to say that there will not be alcohol mm -hmm. there. Um, yeah, I think that's agreed. silly. Uh, but I've had people be kind of surprised. Like they assume mm -hmm. that a social event will have alcohol. There is not mm -hmm. alcohol at my events. Um, yeah. Like and the events that you host yeah. or just any, because I've really enjoyed mm -hmm. when Lily, um, she had shouted you out on yes. the episode. Uh, so nice. Um, and after that, it sounded so interesting, and I've been getting the newsletter for probably, like, you know, since she's been on the pod, like, three or four weeks now, mm -hmm. and the events, I haven't been able to go any to any of them, because it's been the holidays, I've been yeah. traveling and stuff like that, but they all seem very interesting, like, some of them are more, like, spiritual, some mm -hmm. of them are more, like, movement-based, like, dance, or, like, improv, or mm -hmm. something, like, they're all something, like, fun, but do you purposely pick events that don't have, like, a romantic or, like, drinking aspect to them? Yeah, I think most of the events that I choose do not have alcohol in them. Um, that's not really on purpose, but I think the culture of the newsletter started just from the events that I go to, and mm -hmm. I'm not a drinker. Yeah. Well, by the very yeah. nature, too, of, like, drinking, you're putting, you're putting some a little sort bit of, of, like, artificial yeah. facade up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's hard. Like, how many times have we all gone to a bar and you're like, I met this cool person, but, like do you remember like what memorable thing mm -hmm. happened or like what do you remember about them it's always like this fuzzy like ah, i remember bits and pieces yeah yeah and like it's i'll put romantic events in there yeah. i'll put like kind of events for singles but i'm pretty sure the events that i put in don't include alcohol yeah because like i feel like we lack the skills to romantically connect with people without booze yeah. being involved which is yeah. very sad to me yeah oh yeah it's very interesting. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I feel like there's already so many, like, in New York, you know, like, I'm not saying, obviously, I'm drinking a beer right now, so obviously mm -hmm. I like alcohol, but I feel like there's already so much, like, events surrounding, like, oh my gosh, so cute, we have a child intruder. Usually it's a dog <laughs> intruder, a but child. now we have a child intruder. Um, yes, but, they're being very intrusive today. Sorry, uh, go on, guys. But the, um, I feel like there's already so many, th like, cool events. Like, I just mm -hmm. went to, um, it was like... A Harry Potter themed like pop up where mm -hmm. you, it was like you made drinks but they had like spells attached and mm -hmm. they like bubbled and stuff. Yeah, it, was, like... it was very cool and you wore like a cape and all the drinks. You could have done them without alcohol but you know I did them with alcohol. So I feel like there's already so many things like that like tastings mm -hmm. and like I feel like food and drinking in New York is already mm -hmm. so much part of the culture. It's like you don't really need a newsletter to tell you like where to drink like yes you found a need that needed to be filled like drinking is not one of those needs like mm -hmm. people can do that on their own totally and like the thing that is the thread that ties all my events together is they have a facilitated moment of connection like mm -hmm. that's really like if someone sends me an event that's that'll be a reason why i won't put it in the newsletter it's like yeah. is there someone at your event who is responsible for giving people permission to connect yeah it's so, like yeah. there's no movie screenings there's no art installations there's no mm -hmm. like pop-up stores yeah it's like there has to be like if it's a yoga class it's got to be a yoga class and a conversation like yeah. if it's a dance party there's a moment where everyone is stopping and looking at each other and connecting and it's a yep. sober dance party um 
where do you find yeah. the events? Like, do most people approach you? I'm sure at the beginning you had to, mm-hmm. you know, find them yourself. But now that you've been doing it for a while, do people approach you? Do you kind of try to go to the events and experience them yourself before you put them in the newsletter? Kind of how yeah. does the curation process work? Yeah, it definitely started with them only being events that I'd been to myself. Um, and as, because I've been doing it every week for over two years now. Wow, that's a lot of wow. newsletters. It's a lot of newsletters. Um, over like, I think it's been 115 newsletters. Oh my gosh. Um, so I've gotten very good at even just Cutting reading an event description <laughs> and kind of being like, okay, is this a thing that my readers will like? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like people will submit events to me, but I've stopped really publicly asking for that mm-hmm. because people just want people to go to their events. Like right. they, yeah. they don't care about the aren't thinking as much about the like, oh, at my vegan drinks event, is there going to be facilitated connection? They just want people to show up. Yeah. Um, so I pretty much still curate everything. That's cool. How now, do you find the time this, to do oh, that? Oh, sorry. Maddie, go Oh, on. no, I was just going to ask, like, how do you find the time to do that with, like, writing your book and everything? Yeah, it's just a thing where I'm like, all right, I do this on Sundays. Yeah. Like, this is my Sunday. Um, and I've gotten good at writing it more quickly. The hardest part is the introduction because I always, the introduction yeah. is kind of like a, a vulnerable share from my week. And the reason mm-hmm. I do that is because I say I want to model the vulnerability that I want to see in the world. I think we're not great at being vulnerable anymore. Yeah. So I'm trying to Brene Brown it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Love Lily it. is also, mm-hmm. she talked about Brene Brown too. Such oh my gosh. Yeah. I texted I her on the way here and was like, ah, oh, for the, the campfire moment, I was going to talk about Dare to Lead because I literally have it in my mm-hmm. backpack. And then I heard Lily on the podcast mention the book and was like, well, I have to think of something else I'm going to say. <laughs> no, you Darn can echo. Lily. Yeah, Lily. Yeah, you can give it a nice ditto. Mm-hmm. Dare to well, Lead by Brene Brown. Yeah. You know, going along with Maddie's question, so the joy list. So do you have a full-time job in addition to the joy list and mm-hmm. your book? And so you're a busy, busy lady. Yeah. Well, so what I do for money is I ghostwrite. I ghostwrite Ooh, thought leadership cool. for CEOs, yes. which means essentially like long blog posts for mm-hmm. mostly men in tech and real estate. How um, fun. Which it's so funny because people are like, what? Like you write about like cryptocurrency? I don't understand. Uh, but it's how I make money. And the joy list, I, I would say maybe I make a third of my income from the joy list through mm-hmm. sponsorship and people getting tickets to my event and people paying to be sponsors of the events. But this is my year of working towards just yeah. speaking and the book and my events and event sponsorship being awesome. all of my income. Awesome. Yay. What yeah. was kind of the going to the book, kind mm-hmm. of the next? So the joy list is there for people that mm-hmm. want to sign up for it, but the book is kind of seems like the next project. What was the start of the book? Yeah. What made you want to start working on it and how's it been going? So I was at this conference called Next Gen Summit. Um, oh, I've heard of this. It's an amazing conference for young entrepreneurs, fittingly like millennial entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this guy, Eric Coaster, who gave a talk about what he calls creation events, mm-hmm. uh, which is essentially saying, like, if you want to get, if you want to have mastery over something, if you want to get a job in a field, if you just want to prove that you're an expert in something, like, you need to take at least six months to a year and just create a really big thing to just show to the mm-hmm. world that you know a lot about this topic. So it could be creating a podcast. It could be creating a conference or it could be writing a book. 
and he was giving this talk to advertise it. He runs a program that helps people write a book in 10 months. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, how can you write a book in 10 months? This seems kind of iffy. But I talked to this woman, Haley, who's the director of community for Next Gen Summit, and she's a person I really respect. I think she's just doing amazing, she's doing an amazing job with building community for, for Next Gen Summit. Um, and she wrote her book with him and through this program. And she was like, Jillian, like, this changed my life. If you're thinking about it, you should talk to him. And so I had like a half hour phone call with him and he totally sold me. He sold me good. <laughs> and I had some friends who were honestly like, I think it's dumb that you're paying to write a book. Like it's a, it's a program where I am paying somebody else to write a book. And well, dude, editors yeah. exist. And also you're yeah, a, a ghostwriter too. Yeah. Like this exists as mm -hmm. an ecosystem. Like they're all part of yeah. kind of this ecosystem. And it was just like, cause I, I have friends who have literally gotten sick from being so stressed out from writing books. Like they mm -hmm. had no guidance. Oh, yeah. It was just yeah. them in a blank page and they had book deals. Very stressful. Yeah. An anxiety inducing. Totally. And I was just like, you know what? This program is giving me a roadmap. This guy's helped like hundreds of people write books. Yeah. I'm going to be in a cohort with people. I'm going to mm -hmm. have much smaller deadlines. Like I'm going to have an editor. I'm going to yeah. have someone help me with my cover and my book launch plan and all this yeah. stuff. Like, and I had some friends who were really like, I think this is a scam. Like, don't do it. But yeah. well, now I'm in it and it was yeah. great. And it's, it's awesome. great. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, and just so many people don't there. And you know, this as a writer that they don't believe creatives should be paid and paid well for their work. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand the business of being creative, which is what these programs like this do. And that's not to say that there aren't people out there who are running scams. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think the majority of them have good intentions. And if it resonates with you, that's what's important. Totally. And it's so funny how just saying, oh, I'm writing a book. I'm like, immediately, I can see people be like, "Ooh, like, I'm taking her like, 15% more seriously now than I was yeah. before. I'm not going to lie. I did it. Not that I wasn't taking you seriously before. Yeah. Obviously, we invited you on the podcast, and I truly do let... I'm not, you know... Sometimes the guests come on, and I blow smoke up their ass to make them feel <laughs> good. Not, no disrespect to any of our past guests. I've loved them all. Mm -hmm. But I truly enjoy getting the joy list every week. But when you walked in and we were, you know, getting our drinks coming in here... And you were like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book. I was like, oh, shit. And you're like, oh, She's wow. Real, deal. real pro, real pro, real fancy. <laughs> no, but it's true. People do. They're like, oh, my gosh. Because it is a big thing, like that yeah. guy was saying. Like, it's like, I'm committing a huge right. chunk, of, chunk of time to knowing about mm -hmm. this topic. No, yeah. it's true. Or the podcast. Or, like, starting your own business. People are like, oh, I'm going to start a website. Mm -hmm. And then it, like, fizzles after, like, 10 weeks or whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, that wasn't for that person. But it's either, like, I think the big thing can either be, like, I'm doing this project where you put a bow on it, like a book where it's like, mm -hmm. it's done, I'm giving it to the world. Or it can be like a longevity of like, I've been running this business for 10 years, or mm -hmm. this podcast has been on for 100 episodes, or something mm -hmm. like that, I think also demonstrates it. So that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Mm. All right. So um, do we have any other burning questions for our guests or anything? Well, I, you... I have one other burning question. Yes. Um, and, you know, I... So you're a millennial in your 20s. I'm mm -hmm. a millennial in my 30s. And I feel like I, when you try to talk to women in particular in their 30s who are very lonely, generally mm -hmm. in their relationships, if they're working in their career really hard or they yeah. are a mom, they're really struggling. And when you make the suggestion to them, like, why don't you go to yoga? Mm -hmm. And 
grab coffee with somebody after. I mean, they ask like you've suggested that they move to Rome for three months. Mm -hmm. So how do you think a program like the joy list or, you know, in general, how do you think we can overcome those kind of stereotypes? Um, and, you know, and get people out there and meeting other people and overcoming these problems. Yeah. Well, I think, like you said, people have a big issue with trusting that something is worth their time. Mm -hmm. I think people really, if they're going to spend their time on something, they want to know that it's worth it. And the amount of people who've told me like, oh, I was following the joy list for a year and a half. I was reading it every week and I hadn't gone to a single one of your events. <laughs> But then you hosted your own event. Like, I hosted my mm -hmm. first Joyless Social in August. Yeah. And I had maybe five people come up and say, this is the first event in the newsletter that I actually felt comfortable going to because they oh, felt wow. like they had a personal relationship with me. Yeah. Uh, and so they really trusted that this event was going to be good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, we have a really, or people have a very high bar for wanting to feel safe before yeah. experiencing something new. Mm -hmm. And so I'm my hope with the newsletter is just giving people a little bit more of a feeling of safety. Like the person who's running this event has your best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. They are going to help you. Yeah. Like I think honestly, maybe doing like going to a yoga class and then asking somebody to get coffee mm -hmm. with you is yeah. more vulnerable than like there's this event in New York City called Skip the Small Talk, which is like mm -hmm. you go and you go to a bar and there's these tables and there's conversation cards like, if you show up at that, you have full yeah. permission to talk to somebody and actually have a deep conversation with them because you yeah. know that person is there for that purpose and you are yeah. being guided in that experience. Mm -hmm. So I'd say just looking for those facilitated experiences. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some people have embarrassment around that. Like, yeah. I shouldn't need to go to an event that is, like, facilitating my interaction with someone. Like, I know how to have conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But honestly, we don't. Yeah. Like, we don't. Yeah. We're broken no, in that way. We need help. Yeah. Or we used to talk. I think something interested, interesting you said, too, was the getting permission mm -hmm. to go to something. Like, we struggle with this. I remember when I was in the sorority in college, it would be like, you know, trying to get girls to come to stuff that's mandatory. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you do it? And the way that we would always do it is like, okay, well, the leaders of the chapter, it's like, you bring five people mm -hmm. and you tell them like hey this is really important to me it would mean a lot to me yeah. if you came maybe you could bring an extra friend too and then mm -hmm. voila you have 10 people they're all bringing six people along like the yeah. event is full like you need kind of that like personal interaction mm -hmm. and the like permission to like if this person and I think that goes along with those people that came to only your event in the newsletter that kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah exactly very interesting. Um, all right. Well, shall well, we move into... that was my last burning question. So, yeah. yeah let's move on. Or the archery finish range. up, sadly. Yeah. Pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew. I know. This has been such a good conversation. I, um, I wish this was like a three-hour-long podcast. Um, <laughs> okay. So, the archery range. Mm -hmm. um, so, we're going to ask you a series of rapid-fire questions. Great. Some favorites. Um, it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite. It can be just, just a top favorite. Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Shay, do you want to begin? Yes. Favorite book. Ooh, uh, right now I'm reading Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Love it. A classic Perfect. on this pod. Yeah. We love Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. um, fun mm -hmm. fact, just to, I always do this on the archery range, but. Um, <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> I bought a Brene Brown book for my brother for Christmas, mm -hmm. thinking that he would enjoy it. And 
my family lives in Michigan, so we were FaceTiming, opening gifts. My brother opened the book, and my mom was like, oh, I already have a copy of that book. And she pulls it out. They live together. So I was like, oh. Like, oh, man. I failed the Christmas. But now he can but take now, his own notes. Yeah. Right. Well, my mom was like, we could always re... They're going to re-gift the other copy. So it's fine. But I was like, oh, my God, Brene Brown's so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite it. TV show? Ooh, favorite TV show. Uh, right now I'm watching Dogs on Netflix. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's so pure. It's so you know what I'm really excited about? Again, I'm derailing the whole thing. Yeah, jeez, uh, Maddie. Marie, sorry, I just have so many suggestions. Uh, Marie Kondo is, has oh a new God, show. Oh, my God, I'm so excited for that. Sorry. I think it's already out. <laughs> is she, does she have her own show? Yes. Is it about yes. cleaning? Yes. About tidying. It's about tidying. Oh, my God. That sounds awful. Like she You're goes, both so stoked oh, no. about this tidying show. Well, because it's kind of like... Have you read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up? No, but I know the rule, which is if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. But read it, and then you'll be like, oh my god, she's crazy, but also so charming. Yes. And then you'll want to watch the show. Like, I want to hang out with Marie Kondo all yeah, the time. Totally. I think the structure of the show is like, she goes, she does what she does in the book because mm-hmm. the book describes like her real interactions with people she goes into their houses and she helps them facilitate this process of like going through all the things that you own and it's like Ooh. what do you need what brings you joy and I do like those minimalism it. documentaries yeah. like the minimalist guys yeah, so those are very yeah. interesting I can yeah. get it. Like it, I think. Um, sorry about that Shay your turn for a rapid fire favorite childhood snack ooh Oreos with peanut butter ooh I like it creative yeah um, one recommendation of an event <laughs> Ooh. What? <laughs> Sorry, Maddie. Shay is it's off the rails. I thought with... you were about to make a recommendation. No, I was asking her for a recommendation. This is the question. This is the question. <laughs> is it a recommendation of an event in New York City? Yes. Um, I will say the get down, which is the dance party that I was talking about. Six oh, to ten PM, sober, the most positive dancer face off people you've ever met. They're great and I love it. And I'm always there. Amazing. Yeah. Shay, your turn. Oh, it's my turn now. Um Favorite favorite movie? Did we do favorite movie? No. Okay, favorite movie. Ooh, um, I really love the movie Big Fish. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Favorite place you visited outside of a place that you lived? Ooh, I really like Sedona. <gasps> I love Sedona. Oh, it's too. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, favorite place in New York City? Ooh, recently it's been the big public library. It feels like I'm sitting with ghosts who are very yeah. smart. <laughs> I'm sitting with smart ghosts. Love, love it. it. That's all the questions I had, unless yeah, you have I'm, any more, Shay. I'm out of arrows, so. Great. Um, yeah. Well, please, again, plug where we can find the Joyless, and if you mm-hmm. want to be found anywhere else on social media. <laughs> if I want to be found. Yeah. Like, these are my GPS coordinates no, if you just want to find me <laughs> um, on well, the street. And plug your yeah. book again so people can find yes. it. Yes. So... If you want to find The Joy List, uh, it is joylist.nyc is the website. We are The Joy List on Facebook. On Instagram, we are at joylistnyc. Um, The book is called Unlonely Planet. And really, if you just subscribe to the newsletter, you'll get updates about it. Otherwise, sometime in March, (laughs) do a Google and you'll find it, hopefully. It'll be there. Awesome. And we'll plug it here at camp adulthood when it, the book comes out as well Yay. yes so fun thank you so much this was so great yeah, thank you jillian all right campers we'll see you next week thank you thanks for listening camp adulthood is hosted by maddie yergi resident youth and shay keats camp adulthood 
We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.